Emory & Henry College welcomes documentary filmmaker Elaine McMillian Sheldon, September 19th and 20th. She will be discussing then her documentary King Cole as the featured guest during the 2023 Appalachian Literary Festival, which will take place in the McLaughlin Center for the Arts. McMillian Sheldon has received many awards for her work, including both an Emmy Award and a Peabody Award. She also has been nominated for an Academy Award in recognition for her work on the 2017 film Heroin, which addresses the opioid crisis in central Appalachia. She is joining me online today to discuss her upcoming presentation at Emory & Henry College. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thanks for having me. You are going to be presenting at Emory & Henry College, and I am wondering if you've had opportunities to talk much at colleges and universities, and what has that experience been like for you? Well, I've been making documentaries here in Appalachia for 10 years now, which is crazy to think about. And so over that time, I've had the fortune of being able to go to universities and colleges across the region because the work is centered um, on the region and people here are obviously studying it. And so they have lots of questions. And so it's always an honor to be in communion with people that care about this place and that are educating the future of this place. So um, this will be the first uh, college, I think, event that we're doing with King Cole, though. So it, it, we haven't done a ton of them yet. So it'll be really exciting to see how um, faculty and students in the larger community relate to it. Let's talk about that story then. What made you want to tell this particular story, this King Cole story? Um, in the process of making documentaries here over the past decade, you know, when you're based here and you work independently, there's a couple stories that people always want you to tell and talk about. And, you know, during the election time, it was, oh, can you find a, a minor that voted for Trump? Or uh, during uh, another time, it might be we, we want an environmental story and they want something very specific about coal. And I've told stories about coal quite a bit um, in the past decade, but this is a story I've wanted to tell because it's more personal. Um, it's a question more about belonging, identity, and community than it is about economics and environment, although those things obviously overlap a bit. But, you know, my I have four generations of coal mining in my family. My great-grandpa um, was the first to mine, and um, my papa and my dad was next, and my brother still works um, in the mines. My dad was the first in our family to go to college and became a mining engineer, um, which afforded me opportunities that were very different than those that had come before me in my family. Um, and so I've seen how important coal is to families, not only livelihoods, but their sense of community and how much they protect one another and look out for one another in hard times. It's obviously a job that comes with a lot of heartache. Um, and, you know, my dad was certainly part of that, missing birthdays and graduations due to mining accidents and different things for the people that he worked with. And so I wanted to bring those stories to screen in some way that sort of shined a light more on the sacrifice and the um, the sort of omnipresence and like deep roots that people have connected to this that really are outsizing the employment numbers, right? The employment numbers are not what they were. This isn't a story of facts and figures. 
but still coal has such a stronghold on people's imagination. And so that's really what the film was about. And I was able to tell that through using personal story and, and other forms archive. And yeah, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to have this conversation with people because I think it resonates with a lot of people. Is that hold why you call it King Cole or what is the explanation around the word King? Well, King Cole is something, I mean, I grew up hearing that term a lot. You know, there's festivals like the King Cole Festival in Mingo County, West Virginia, the the King Cole um, pageant in Pennsylvania where we film. You know, it was a, it's it's a term that I think we actually started in the UK, was coined in the UK, and there's nursery rhymes about King Cole. And it's, it's a long, old term about, and I think some people, when they think of King Cole, they think of the industry. I think some other people think of maybe a greedy industrialist or some people, you know, they, everybody has their opinion about it. But in the purposes of this film, what we do is we use the term King Cole um, as a uh, moniker for the, the sort of like un, this non-tangible presence in our lives. Um, and we frame it in terms of a fable. So lots of fairy tales and fables have kings and um, they also have kids at the center of them. And they also tease out um, sometimes harsh realities through imagination. And I think that's what this film does. So yeah, we we refer to in the film, King Cole is actually a ghost. Um, so it's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a stand in for any one owner of a coal company or a governor, like people might automatically think it's not really that it's more of a playful thing of who and what has this stronghold over our sense of community. Um, and so we, in the film, we talk about all the ways that sort of King Cole got power, you know, the, the coal industry obviously um, has been a huge influence over the past almost 200 years, whether it's through land ownership or, you know, changing the names of our rivers um, to, to named to be named the coal river and all these things. So we tell these stories about how the kingdom was formed um, and we film across many states, Pennsylvania, Southwestern Virginia, West Virginia is a big part, Eastern Kentucky, East Tennessee, and Western North Carolina. And in the film, we never put a location tag on the screen. We never tell you when you're in Pennsylvania or North Carolina, we try to frame it like the kingdom of King Cole. So playing with the documentary form a little bit. And that's really because Coal is so divisive. People have their opinions um, and they're, they've chosen their sides. And we really just didn't want to engage in that conversation. We wanted to have a, a very human conversation, a conversation that was about the people and the land moving forward. It's interesting that you tell the story through the perspective of two young girls, one white and one African-American. I'm imagining part of the reason you're using two young people is because of the whole fable idea but is there another reason that you're using two young women, two young girls in this documentary that helps to explain the story, perhaps even beyond the fable nature of it? Yeah, the film came became so much about 
memory. And so in the film, I'm recounting memories as a kid. So there's that element of looking back uh, as a way to look forward. And then in the documentary footage that we were filming the first year, we started this project in 2019, just documenting coal-related culture. So things where, you know, retired miners will go into classrooms and tell kids stories about laboring in the mines or the Miss Bituminous Coal Pageant or the Coal 5K in Williamson, West Virginia, where they throw fake coal dust on you. These, these sort of things that are fun um, for the community to take part in, but also show the history. And so what was interesting from that early footage that we were filming is kids were always a part of it. You know, kids were running in the races, kids were in the classroom, and we could tell this is a story being handed to kids. And the question is, is, is this really their story? You know, what is what is the future of coal in this region? What's what's the future? What do they want their story to be? What is Appalachia's story? So because kids were naturally a part of the documentary scenes, anything that we played with in sort of those more scripted scenes was um, we wanted to have kids. And so Lainey Marsh um, and Gabby Wilson, Lainey um, was very aware of her coal history. She has, you know, several generations of coal miners and people work in the industry and her family. And then Gabby actually learns her coal history through the making of the film. So that's part of the documentary is she learns that her great grandpa was actually a miner and goes back to the coal camp and um, with her grandma. And that was really incredible because we didn't anticipate that. But we also chose them because they're dancers. And this film plays with movement and it's a very beautiful film. It it centers the region as a place not just of, you know, generally we see the region depicted as poverty and depraved and all these things. And we really were very conscious of wanting to show how beautiful um, right next to how painful all this is, right? And because that's the real tragedy of it. And uh, so the the two girls are dancers um, and all their scenes are, they're not scripted. They're not fake but they are set up you know so they are doing a homework assignment that is given to kids in the coal fields where they get to make a coal fair project or they are going to a coal memorial that is absolutely real and true but otherwise if we weren't making a film they wouldn't be there so we're not telling them what to say in any of these scenes they're just being kids in them and so that was just a new way of working that I'd never worked before in that hybrid documentary form. I'm talking today to Elaine McMillian Sheldon she is the producer of the documentary King Cole. She is an award-winning documentary producer, and she will be presenting during the Appalachian Literary Festival at Emory Henry College on September 19th and 20th. That is held in the McLaughlin Center of the Arts at Emory Henry. Elaine, let's talk about the words you use to describe this, I think, at one point. You call King Cole a bittersweet love letter. Um, perhaps you've already touched on it. I, I'm assuming it has to do with both what you're celebrating about coal country and the and sort of the tragedies and and hard scrabble living that has been born out of it. Yeah, I think that that's what makes um this story so difficult for people is that there's been a lot of sacrifice and there's been a lot of um pain that has come through this process. But there's well, on the other side of that, there's a lot of pride. And that's very difficult to to replace. That's not just a industry replace thing. The the you know even my brother who still works in the industry today you know talks a lot about his relationship with 
the other people he works with and that close-knit community that's created around doing a job that's providing this raw material that most people really don't appreciate. You know, most people, when they think of coal, they think of dirty energy. They're not thinking of metallurgical coal, which is a key ingredient in making steel and other things that are really pretty incredible that I don't think a lot of miners get credits for. And it's a very intricate job. You know, I think people assume because you don't need, um, and you know, train, you need training beyond high school education, but you can get a, a good job. They don't, they think this is a job that's, you know, pickaxe and shovel. And so I think that there's a disconnect between the way the world sees this job, this industry, and the way they see themselves. And so that's the bittersweetness is like, people don't feel seen or appreciated. And we're seeing that across the whole country. And when industries fade, and that's no longer there, the question is what fills that vacuum. Um, and we've seen great depression rates and addiction rates and things across the the Appalachian region. And you you have to wonder how much is affected by that loss of pride, that loss of community, that isolation. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that it is something that we've seen across the country. I think it, what you're talking about in many ways is unique to coal country, but in other ways, it's something that it's universal to rural regions. And I'm wondering if you're hoping that a lot of people from urban regions might see this documentary and gain a greater appreciation for the challenges and the mindset of people in rural regions. I think I've seen that probably more so than I've been able to show in places that are rural because we have been on the festival tour <clears throat> since January in places that are like Vancouver, Los Angeles, New York. And it's amazing, actually, to me, how many people come up afterwards and say, you know, I thought I knew, but I didn't know anything or this. I just I just learned this. Is, I just this was so surprising to me. This is not what I expected when I heard about this film. I didn't know it was going to be like this. And so I think the film really catches people off guard and in a gent gentle way, nudges them to think about things they hadn't thought about before. So, yeah, I, it's universal in the sense that we're all from a place we all make meaning and ritual and um, we all have, we all seek belonging in some way. And so, you know, I don't think, you know, Appalachia is so unique in that perspective. I think this is a very universal thing and change is hard. Humans, we avoid change. <laughs> it is a very difficult thing to come to terms with, but it's also the most inevitable thing that's happening right in front of our eyes. So. Elaine, we need to go to a break, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the future of coal country as you see it, and then get into a little bit of your background, which is very impressive, and I think makes it a, a great honor for Emory & Henry to be welcoming you to its literary festival on September 19th and 20th. I've been talking to Elaine McMillian Sheldon. She is an Academy Award nominated and an Emmy and Peabody winning documentary filmmaker, and she will be presenting at the Appalachian Literary Festival at the McLaughlin Center for the Arts at Emory & Henry College on September 19th and 20th. You have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia, and I am your host, Dirk Moore, and you are listening to WEHC 90.7 and WISE 90.5, the voice of Southwest Virginia.
People Incorporated can help make business dreams a reality with a small business loan, helping businesses start or expand with personalized, down-to-earth support. For more information, peopleinc.net. Welcome back to Together to Get There. Today, I am talking with Elaine McMillian Sheldon. She is an award-winning documentary filmmaker, and she is going to be speaking September 19th and September 20th at Emory Henry College at the McLaughlin Center for the Arts as part of the annual Appalachian Literary Festival. We have been talking about her film, King Cole, which is the subject of, her dis- of the discussion at the Literary Festival. And I am wanting to talk a little bit about what you see as the future of coal country as depicted by King Cole. What is the uh, the story that you think is yet to be told uh, about the people from coal country? And how would you perhaps approach another documentary on this topic if you were so inclined? Yeah, well, this film, it documents the history and asks questions of the future, but it doesn't propose solutions for the future because I think those are probably to be left to sm- smarter people than myself. I'm a storyteller and I'm interested in documenting that tension between where we are and where we want to go. Um, But I do see this film coming out of a really important time in this region where there's a lot of energy for finding new economies and those are going to be smaller economies. I think that you know, the the setup we've had of big industry in that way, coal being employing so many people, I don't really see that being part of our future. And if you look to our past and you look to how people sustained themselves before, it was smaller industry and it was built around culture and it was built around land. I mean, our lives are in extra we are we are completely in a relationship with the land and um that's been through coal but in the future what that will look like could be local food movements it could be a number of things um so i'm very hopeful about the future and and the role of tourism and culture and i'm concerned about young people leaving the region because we can't seem to keep them um but maybe they'll be like me and boomerang back and want to be a part of the future in some way so um, I'm hopeful, but I think it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of new ideas. Um, we can't go back to the same ideas we've had in the past. What has to happen perhaps culturally so that you can find within coal country support perhaps from outside of it and a greater understanding from outside of it so that there can be a, a dispelling of myths about coal country and that there can be perhaps greater investment and greater support? Do you think that's essential to the future of coal country? Yeah, I think culture and economy are working in a way that's very difficult for people to move on. And I understand people who want to live where they live and work a job that pays this wage, but there's very few industry that will provide that in the future. We have to come to terms with that. And I think we also have to come to terms with the fact that this has been a part of our history that we can't hold on to anymore. The industry is changing. Technology has entered. There is less need for people in this industry. Um, that doesn't mean coal's going away altogether, but culturally we have to come, we have to find the version of ourselves before we had a king where we were making, we were making things happen on our own. I mean, this, this region is known for being resilient and scrappy and making things happen. And, and that's the cultural side that I'd like people to re-embrace again and not look to big industry or big government or other things to 
to come in and save us because it's not it's I don't think it's our reality. Um, Appalachia is a place that I think is going to have to carve out its own future and hopefully be a model for the rest of the country, um, embracing new technologies and how they can benefit our lives and also looking to older ways that we did things and seeing how those are more sustainable. So I think it's a fusion of finding things that worked in the past and then being open and accepting culturally for new things. And the film really, rather than, like I said, you know, we don't just, I think a lot of people, if they make a film about coal, they're their solution is to show you windmills and solar panels. And while I think the movement to have renewables is amazing and we should be moving in that direction, that's not the goal of this film is to provide solutions in that way. We actually end the film with a, um, where we get the community together to mourn the death of our story. And with that mourning of the death of this story, we're saying, okay, this is the end of this chapter, but this is not the end of our story. What's the next chapter? And so I actually believe that the next step is one of healing and grief. Um, and with that grief, we discover who we want to be and what we want for the next generation. But it is it is very clear when you're looking down at the economics, how are people going to stay if they can't afford to feed their families here? And that's a real issue that I don't have a solution for, unfortunately. As you've said, you are a native of Southwest Virginia, or you come from Southwest Virginia and West Virginia with family history in coal mining. So you approach this topic with a great deal of credibility. But I'm wondering, because of that, if and because of the subjects you cover as a documentary filmmaker, if you decided that you were going to be a filmmaker because of these experiences, or were you always going to be a filmmaker regardless of the experiences? Yeah, I was born in Abingdon, Virginia, and grew up in um, mostly Logan and near Charleston, West Virginia. And so I am all my family's from Nicholas County, West Virginia. So I say that because I am very much connected to this region in a way that I think a lot of people who've been here for generations are where it's not about material things that are handed down, but it's a feeling of this place and how special it is and the connection with it. And I always wanted to be a storyteller, but I didn't ever know what that meant. I didn't have artists in my family. And so it was a matter of finding my way to documentary through journalism. Um, I don't know if I tell stories because I'm from here or if it's because I'm from here that I tell stories in that way. I'm not actually sure, but I, I would say that growing up here taught me a lot about storytelling and just the everyday form of music and story and telling tall tales like these all these things that were part of the culture of, of my growing up here led me to be a storyteller so I really credit my community to actually helping me see that through and believing in me um, even when we had no models around us that said it made sense. <laughs> you were nominated in 2018 for an Academy Award for your film Heroin which is spelled H-E-R-O-I-N and then in parentheses an E, and uh, that also won you an Emmy Award for Outstanding Short Documentary. And what I love about this documentary is that it really zeroes in on the problem of addiction, which is something that is really afflicting Central Appalachia. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that documentary and how it might have really influenced your desire to continue in this area of telling the stories from this region? I think that heroin did something 
that I really needed in the same way King Cole does something I needed. With King Cole, I really needed to have this conversation about this decline and what it meant for us as people, as identity, as culture. What heroin did is it gave me hope to see that there's people on the ground getting up every day trying to make a difference. Because when I looked at the opioid crisis before I made that film, I saw a lot of friends dying and saw a lot of friends incarcerated and um, a lot of lives being ruined. And I had very little hope. And so we went into making the film, looking for the resilience, looking for the hope. And I would say that that's something that I still try to do in all my films. Um, the three women at the center of that film are incredibly resilient and they represent the best of Appalachia. So they they continue to inspire me. And I would say, you know, I narrate King Cole. It's the first time I've ever had my voice in a film and I've never shared family stories this way. And I would say those three women from heroin taught me the vulnerability I needed to make King Cole. So a lot of credit goes to them for, you know, allowing me into their lives in such an intimate way. I would have to say that the work you're doing has made you a heroine, just as the three women in the film heroine. And I really applaud you for your efforts and your success. And I want to thank you for coming to Emory & Henry um, later this month to tell the story of King Cole. And also want to thank you for being with me to have this discussion today. Thank you, Elaine McMillian Sheldon. Thank you. It was awesome to talk to you. I have been talking to documentary filmmaker Elaine McMillian Sheldon, and we have been talking about King Cole, which is the center of our discussion during the Appalachian Literary Festival, September 19th and 20th at Emory and Henry College, and that will be held in the McLaughlin Center for the Arts. And you have been listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia, and I am your host, Dirk Moore. And you are listening to WEHC 90.7 and WISE 90.5, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.